Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to five questions on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BOL, joined once again by senior team writer. That's right. Charlie Potter right there. Fresh from Lexington, Kentucky. We know how the game went, Charlie. So uh, did you get anything good to eat? Up in the Commonwealth, was there maybe a meal that struck a chord with you? Something along those lines that we can get from you. Yeah, it was actually a good trip. Um, I'd never been to Lexington. Obviously went to Louisville for the NCAA tournament uh, earlier this year. But first trip to Lexington, it's actually funny. I know uh, I've told you probably multiple times, but um, the last time Alabama went to Kentucky was my senior year of, of college. And uh, I didn't get a credential for that game, but they had a seat for me at the stadium. So that was kind of a bummer because you never know when you're going to get to go to these uh, these rotational uh, stadiums again. But here we are a decade later, got to check it out and bigger than I thought. I don't really know what I expected going in. Uh, hell of a lot of horses. That was to be expected. <laughs> but uh, no, we, we got some good, uh, good food, some good drinks. We went to uh, Mirror Twin, the brewery there. Uh, on Friday night when we got in and then um, the wife went with me and she had everything kind of planned out. So we had some Italian food downtown that was really good. And uh, you know, we like to you know, hit up a, a tiki bar every now and then. So we, we found a rooftop tiki bar and got some drinks uh, to call it a night on Saturday. Yeah, I think Lexington's more metropolitan or more city-like yeah. than people anticipate. I know the first time I went, oh, this is an actual city. This isn't a college town. I mean, it's a college town within a city, but uh, you have a lot of fun up in, in Lexington, even when the horses aren't running. I think Malone's a popular place up there uh, that we went to among the other spots there in the trips that we've made to Lexington. So good. We're glad to have you back safe and sound as Alabama now looks ahead to an FCS matchup against UTC, Tennessee Chattanooga visiting Alabama once again coming up. And then it's Auburn, then it's Georgia, but we're going to get into those questions with you today, those five questions. And we're going to actually start with hoops following another blowout win for Nate Oates' team last night over South Alabama. South Alabama traditionally can put up some resistance and has in the past to Alabama. Not this time around, Charlie, as the Crimson Tide rolls to triple digits for the third straight game, which leads me to the question, Charlie, is, is this Alabama team just going to score 100-plus in every game this season kind of looks that way uh, after three games. <laughs> They're on track to do so. Uh, it's the way you start with three straight. And I think they said it was the first time since 56-57 that that's happened. And it was actually kind of funny because after the game, you know, Nate Oates uh, made comment of that. And, and he said, you know, he doesn't think anybody in the room was alive when that happened. And then he saw Kurt McNair sitting over there and, and had to amend that statement so everybody everybody got, got a laugh at Kirk's expense but Kirk was a good sport about it um but no it's another impressive showing um you know Nato's has really been preaching uh better play on the defensive end I think we saw that last night he really kind of challenged Nick Pringle ahead of this game because 
you know, after the um, Indiana State game, he talked about a need for for better rim protection. And, you know, Nick stepping into that starting five role, uh, he didn't have a block in the first two games. But you know, Nick played a lot better. I think the team as a whole did a lot better job of, you know, not allowing blow-bys. And, uh, you know, there was a stretch there where South Alabama just couldn't make a bucket. You know, they were only getting a few points here and there um, via the free throw line. So Alabama did a solid job defensively. Uh, but, you know, I think – I don't think it's obviously sustainable to score 100 points every time out, but the way that Alabama's played these first three games on the offensive end has been really impressive. You've gotten uh, strong showings from Grant Nelson, from Mark Sears, from Aaron Estrada. I think that's really going to be the the engine for this team offensively. But then you look at it, you know, Ryan Griffin really hasn't started to get going yet. If you can get him to to join that trio or, you know, at least average double digits or get close to it, this offense can be really, really special. So I, I don't think it's going to be a 31-game streak of 100 points or more, but I think if they can get everybody to start kind of clicking here, uh, they can be a lot of fun to watch. Way to go, Charlie. Just throw a wet rag on that anticipation of 100 points each and every time out. But in all seriousness, yeah, I mean, when your bench gives you 52 points like Alabama's did on Tuesday night at says a lot about the potential firepower you have in your reserves too. Sam Walters, 16 points, four of four from the field, five of six from the free throw line. Uh, and you said it with Griffin, which leads me to the question of, do you envision a scenario where they really have to have him on offense? He had a, like a little mini five point run of his own there in the first half against USA to kind of help Alabama really start to gain some separation, but they've got so many guys, even guys as we've talked about coming off the bench, and that's after Mark Sears and and Aaron Estrada and what Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson only had six points, only played 18 minutes against USA. So, uh, boy, when you think about the firepower, really one through eight or nine with this team, it's pretty immense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they'll have a stretch where they need Rylan Griffin to to be uh, the go-to guy from a scoring, scoring standpoint. But I do think, you know, Ryland can play well defensively. We saw what he was able to do last year against Auburn. I think that kind of showcased his ability on that end. And for him and even Grant Nelson last night, when, when guys aren't maybe contributing on the offensive end, you look to see what they're doing elsewhere. And I think both of those guys uh, have done a nice job of affecting the game in, in other ways. But I think Ryland will – he'll have a breakout moment. Um, you know, Nato's just talked about how they expect a big jump for him. And he's a guy that's – he's been a starter the first three games. I, I think that will continue. Um, and you look at it kind of as the team goes as a whole. I mean, Ryland's known for his shooting ability. And Alabama's only attempted – I say only, but just in terms of what they expect, they've only attempted 23 threes in each of the first three games. And Nato's just kind of said, uh, that he wants to see, you know, more shots up. You know, the, he wants to see good shots, obviously, but, you know, he's expecting roughly 33s a game, and they haven't got to that clip yet. So going back to the original question about scoring 100, if Alabama's putting up seven to ten more threes a game, that's going to probably lead to more points. So they're going to get close to that 100-point mark, I think, a lot. And uh, if they can get some of these other guys going, I think it'll be easier to do that. Only three games in, but when you start thinking about seven, eight, nine-guy rotations – not all that difficult to get caught up in minute watching, you know, with box scores or just seeing how guys are subbed in throughout the course of a game. You know, his stat line may not always reflect it, but it seems like Nate likes uh, Latrell Wrightsell Jr. 
And again, six points, nothing, you know, earth shattering against USA. Did go two of four from three. But when I look at Latrell Wright cell, he looks like one of those guards that maybe San Diego State had last year, right? Looks like yep. he looks like a mature player and a guy that if it comes down to a little bit of a fist fight, so to speak, with a team like a San Diego State again, uh, you feel good about having him in your corner. Yeah, no doubt. I think they brought him in for a reason. And I think what you just said is is one of the big reasons for that. He's a he's a guy that's um a little scrappy and I think he can um he can definitely be you know, you, you have the three headed monster of Sears and Estrada and, and Nelson, but you're know, talking about guys like Riley and Griffin or other guys stepping up to contribute to that. I think Latrell Wrightsville can be that on a nightly basis. So uh, I think that he was a big addition via the transfer portal. I think he's sailed on the defensive end. And uh, you look at those those next guys up, because the starting lineup, we it was pretty easy for us to kind of guess what it was going to be. And that's what it's been the first three games. But those first three guys off the bench have been uh, Reitzel, it's been Sam Walters, and it's been Jaron Stevenson. And I think you know those are going to be the guys that they lean on heavily. Um, you know, We'll see what happens with guys like, uh, Davin Cosby and Mo Diabate, guys like that. I, I think Mo Wagi is obviously going to be someone they lean on in the post. But yeah, Latrell Reitzel should be the one of the first guys off the bench, nine in and nine out, because he can do a lot of good things for you. And, and you're, you're not going to be questioning that guy's effort whenever he's on the floor. Toughness, physicality, those type of things that you like with him. Let's get into some football talk with that, Charlie. And question I had for you to get that going which of these two coordinator hires, Kevin Steele, Tommy Reese, defense, offense, do you think has done the most to maybe change the narrative during the course of the season? You go back to the offseason, and if we're being honest, the hire of Kevin Steele, at least among Alabama fan base, didn't move the the needle uh, in a, an extensive amount. I, I think there were people who are, okay, that's, that's an okay hire. Uh, same for Tommy Reese, who didn't have the feel of at least if you look at message boards and those type of things as a first choice kind of guy. So as you've moved throughout this season, this team has gotten better and better. Which of those two would you go with in that regard as far as maybe changing the opinion that folks might have had of him going into the stint and then into the season and to where we are now? I think you can make a case for both of them. Um, I think with Kevin Steele, you know, the players preached all offseason, just uh, him being able to kind of, um, you know, preach and, and know and hold players accountable to that Alabama standard. And uh, I think the defense has played well. You look back to what they were able to do since the Texas game, especially in the second halves. I think what he's been able to do from an adjustment standpoint has been really impressive because, I mean, it's it's common knowledge that, teams are going to throw new things at you, new looks, new pictures. And uh, for them to be able to adjust like they have and play really soundly in the second half for the most part has been really impressive. But I, I think I have to go with Tommy Reese just because it was a hire that I don't think people were just over the moon about. Um, I think there was a lot of intrigue and interest, no doubt, but uh, a lot of question marks, I think. And then with the way the season started, um, a little slow. Uh, we obviously saw what happened at USF. but the offense has gotten progressively better. I think Jalen Milrow deserves a lot of credit for that. But I think when you look at Jalen Milrow's development, who's his position coach? That's Tommy Reese. So I think when you discuss changing the narrative, 
Uh, I, I would give Tommy Reese a little bit of a, an edge in that regard because just over the last few weeks and these, uh, you look at the big games they had against Tennessee and LSU, just the way the offense has kind of evolved and added new wrinkles with you know, Jalen getting some design quarterback runs, just some of the things that they're doing and getting other players involved. You can see that the offense is kind of taking those next steps. And if they can continue on this positive trajectory that they're on, um, Alabama's going to be right there. I know we're going to talk about it a little bit, but right there when the college football playoff is uh, decided. So I, I do think the defense deserves a lot of credit. I think they wouldn't be in some of the situations they're in now because or without the way the defense is played. And, and Kevin Steele deserves a lot of credit for that. But it, it's hard not to pick Tommy Reese here. Yeah, whereas Steele wasn't exactly a needle mover, there was a sense of you knew what you were at least getting in Kevin Steele, and it had the feel of more of a stabilizing presence, and there's also Nick Saban's background as a defensive guy, so the, the ties made sense, Kevin had already worked for Nick a couple of times, so again, not a lot of mystery there. With Tommy Reese, it was kind of a wild card. And you had also gone from thinking at least briefly that maybe Ryan Grubb, the Washington offensive coordinator, was coming to Tuscaloosa. That didn't happen for whatever reason. And then now it turns out that it is Tommy Reese. And I have to agree with you. Just throughout the course of the last month, the narrative has swung dramatically for Tommy Reese from not so good. You said it, coaching quarterbacks, if you just looked at that alone in the first month of the season – uh, that probably wasn't up to standard, but the continued development of Jalen Milrow, even if he wasn't the guy that Reese preferred coming out of spring drills, looking ahead to this season, uh, give him credit for continuing to, 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 to invest and pour into Jalen Milrow. It may have been something that Nick Saban went to Tommy Reese and said, whether you like it or not, this is our guy too. You know, you, you never know with Nick in terms of uh, his involvement. I'm sure that was part of the conversation, but, yeah, Tommy Reese has swung things uh, pretty dramatically, I'd say, here in the last three or four games. Next question for Charlie Potter. Who is Alabama's most important defender down the stretch? And I'm including Georgia in that, Charlie. So when you think about really that two-step of Auburn and UGA, which Alabama defensive player is that for you? It's tough because you could go a lot of different uh, directions here. Um, I immediately thought of Deontay Lawson, which that's a guy that's currently banged up. You know, he missed the Kentucky game. It wouldn't shock me at all to see some of these guys that are dealing with injuries not play Saturday against Chattanooga. Um, you know, regardless of what Nick Saban says about it, that's that's the time to do it. But, um, yeah, I think you look at the edge rushers. And I'll probably lean more Chris Braswell, which might be a little bit of a surprise because he's been consistently good all season. We saw Dallas Turner kind of have a little bit of a, a slow start out of the gate, but then just catch fire. He's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. But Chris Braswell's just been a consistent guy, a disruptive force. And he's made a lot of huge plays, whether it's you look at the the pick six against Mississippi State. He had the blocked field goal at Texas A&M, the forced fumble uh, against Tennessee. Like Chris Braswell's come up in big moments. And, you know, playing in a rivalry game on the road, playing in the SEC championship game, in Atlanta, uh, you need some of those kind of momentum swinging plays. And Chris Braswell has been responsible for a lot of them this year. So with the way he's able to generate negative plays via tackles for loss, uh, sacks, he's now tied with Dallas Turner for the team lead. And I think they're third in the SEC at last check. 
Uh, if he can continue to get pressure on the quarterback and just get his paws up and, and make plays, uh, this defense will be better off for it. Yeah, I you know, if I were going to pick between Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell, just those two guys when looking at Auburn and also Georgia, I might go with Braswell too, just because I think in terms of physicality that's going to be required, and I never thought I would say this about Chris Braswell even a couple of years ago, but the strides that he's made in terms yep. of his body and uh, getting up to 250 or so, uh, he is well equipped for what they're about to encounter with Auburn and Georgia. Because first and foremost, both those offenses are going to want to get physical with the run game and, and try to at least make Alabama honor that part of it. And I'll go with a front seven guy too, but I'm going to go with Tim Keenan because again, I think that's where it's going to start in those games with Auburn and Georgia. You're going to have to take care of business, especially that Georgia game. Not going to be for the faint of heart on the lines of scrimmage in that one. Uh, so give me Tim Keenan. I like your pick, too, of Chris Braswell. Let's talk some offense now. Let's talk specifically, Charlie, about Jalen Milrow. This meteoric rise for the redshirt sophomore quarterback. With all that being said, with a couple of big stages left, Auburn and Georgia in Atlanta, is it possible that Jalen Milrow could make a run to New York City? Not win the Heisman Trophy, not right now anyway, but get to New York City as a Heisman finalist. I think a finalist is possible. I don't think he'll win the award. Uh, just because you look at the Texas game, you look at he didn't even play against South Florida. Um, that's tough to make up that ground. And you've got some guys that have just been, you know, hair on fire good this year. I think Jaden Daniels, um, I, I would give the award to him today just because of what he's been able to do. Heck, he made a lot of plays against Alabama and a loss for LSU. And, yeah, I know a lot of people point to, like, the success of the team, but we've seen Heisman winners in the past just because of what they've been able to do on the field, um, you know, get the award. You think about Tebow the year he, he won it. Um, you know, I don't think Florida won the national championship that year. Uh, Lamar Jackson, other guys like that. Uh, but I think with Jalen, just the the steady progress he's made, the confidence he's um, just gained over the course of the season. You know, he's a guy that's playing really, really well right now. Uh, I think he scored, what, 10 touchdowns in his last uh, couple games. You know, he's been able to do some things with his legs that gets him in the conversation because the more you can do, the better those Heisman voters feel about, you know, giving you a vote. So, I think he's certainly in a position right now to potentially get an invitation in New York. If he goes out and has a huge game against Auburn, if he leads Alabama to a win over Georgia, uh, I think his chances you increase uh, tenfold. But you know, we'll see what happens there. But he's a guy that, because he can do so many different things and score in a multitude of ways, uh, he's going to be in the discussion. And that's crazy to say, just thinking about that first month of the season, how far this guy's come and how far the offense has come under his uh, direction. It's, it's pretty remarkable just the strides he's made, and he seems to be only getting better. I mean, I'm, after the game uh, in Lexington, you know, the guy had a, a great game, obviously had an interception that he wanted back, but uh, Jalen's usually all smiles. Yeah, he was pretty frustrated with his own performance, so I think he's maturing. Um, he understands what he needs to do to, to lead this team to victories, and um, so far he's been able to do it. Yeah, Jalen Milrow is evolving right before our eyes as a guy who can lift the play of the guys around him. Kind of went into this season, even a month into this season, wondering if Alabama had enough guys around him to lift their play. 
And now what we're seeing is kind of a 180 of that. And Jalen Milrow is doing that for the Alabama offense. And it is. It's a crowded room right now of Heisman candidates, just at the quarterback position, right? Bo Nix, Michael Penix, um, Jaden Daniels, obviously. I'm with you on that one as far as him being my front runner right now as the guy who should win the award. But I, I guess you also have some games coming up similar to the college football playoff race where guys will take each other out, right? Uh, Ohio State, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Michigan with J.J. McCarthy, uh, Penix, and uh, Knicks, I guess, are going to see each other again. So it could work out that way. And if Milrow is central and continues to be central to Alabama's chances of winning and spearheading that, especially on offense, who knows? And you never know, too, right? Is there going to be three finalists? Is there going to be four? And kind of how that plays out. But I think what helps Jalen, too, is that these voters are going to mostly largely hang on to those votes until those games on championship Saturday are completed. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility either, Charlie. Uh, let me ask you this, Charlie, as we let you out of here. What should be the level of concern for Alabama fans right now where being left out of the college football playoff is concerned? We're talking about running the table, going 12-1, and one, with a win over newly minted number one Georgia in the CFP rankings, can you envision a scenario still where even if it plays out that way, Alabama fans will be uh, kind of on the edge of their seat on the morning of that next Sunday? It's tough to envision them being left out in that scenario if they run the table. Um, you know, you look at just the rankings right now, you have seven teams in front of Alabama. Uh Two of them are going to be knocked off, even without taking into account the SEC championship game because Ohio State and Michigan have to play. And then only one team from the Pac-12 uh, will be up for consideration. Uh, so if Alabama does beat Georgia, you've knocked off three of those. There's still five teams ahead of them, though. And if it's chalk, it's, it's going to be interesting because uh, Texas has a head-to-head over Alabama. And the committee has, has said that they – I have definitely or they're definitely taking that into account. I, I don't think I'm still of the camp that believes that Alabama and Texas should be ahead of Oregon at the moment. You know, that can eventually play itself out, I guess. But uh, I don't really understand the rationale there with what, um, you know, Texas and Alabama have been able to do. But, yeah, it's um, I guess my level of concern, three to four on a scale of 10, uh, just because you know, I don't expect it to be chalk the rest of the way. Uh, there's always stuff just, is going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy stuff will happen on the schedule, uh, whether it's before conference championship weekend or, or during, uh, but it's, it's tough to envision, even if it is just everything just plays out the way people think and it's tough to envision this team. If it wins out and beats Georgia and Atlanta, not being among the top four teams in the country. How, how, where do you stand on the style points thing? because I hear from so many fans, Alabama doesn't need to just win. They need to win with emphasis, blow people out. Well, you know, they've scored 40-plus the last two games and been impressive in wins over LSU and Kentucky. And where Texas and Oregon are concerned anyway, that hasn't really mattered to this point. So I'm of the belief, just win your games. And I've, I've been yeah. that way. Went out, 
if you go 12 and one, put the ball in the committee's court as an SEC champion, the best league in all of collegiate football by a wide margin, and you don't get in, Andrew Alabama, that'd be one thing too if this was Ole Miss. Okay. If we're being honest here, if this was Ole Miss that went 12 and one and won the SEC championship game, uh, maybe I could see it. But even then, it would be kind of tough. No, you're right. I think the track record, um, and really, when you look at that that last game with them putting Georgia at number one in the third week of the rankings, if you're able to go into Atlanta and knock off Georgia, give them their first loss in what feels like ten years, um, then that should be enough. But who knows? I mean, it's did that almost I, smell like the committee setting it up for Alabama? Now, Georgia was very impressive. Don't get me wrong in that win over Ole yeah. Miss. But by moving Georgia up to that top spot and assuming Georgia just stays there. Now, i got to go to Tennessee this week. We'll see. Uh, Georgia Tech, it shouldn't be a problem in the final week before Atlanta. But it, it almost smelled a little bit like, okay, we're going to put Georgia up there. And as a byproduct of that, if Alabama runs the table, then they've got maybe more of a – more of a incentive to include Alabama in the college football playoff. It is a blessing for Alabama to have that opportunity still left in, in front of it from the committee, but it goes back to just where they currently have Alabama. If they feel like that, they're giving them that opportunity. Um, then I, I feel like they should put them ahead of Oregon, but that's just me. I, I, I don't know. Um, I find myself having less and less interest in the weekly rankings. I'm glad Clint Lamb is doing that for us now. It's a TV Instead of me show. having to worry about it. Yeah. It is all about creating debate. And it won't matter until December 3rd about all of this. Uh, I do think, though, Alabama handles this business on the field. It should be included in the college football playoff. It's going to be interesting. And, by the way, Washington loses this weekend at Oregon State. So There you go. Mark it down. Not just write it down. <laughs> pen, ink, whatever, mortgage, <laughs> tuition plans, everything. Just just let it ride. Hey, Charlie, as always, man, appreciate you joining us here on Five Questions. Always great insight for us. Always great work for us, too. At BamaOnline.com, check out all of Charlie's great content right there at BOL. He's with us, too, on the roundtable or premium message board there at BamaOnline.com. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, you can do that right now. Simple as a click of that subscription button that you're probably looking at. Go ahead and hit it. And Charlie, we'll do it again, hopefully next week. All right. Sounds good, man. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanks again for joining us right here on five questions on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. And until next time, so long, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.